Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carol analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Terrorist rock star Hamza bin Laden believed dead. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, Hamza bin Laden, the son of Osama, is believed dead. We can't be sure of anything um, with him or some other famous terrorists uh, because there's been a whole mystery about his life. But um, it was announced that... um, he is there some information has been gathered let's put it that way that he is indeed dead now um before i get into details about uh, hamza bin laden and why we should care <laughs> um let me tell you some other things about him first of all some questions about him first of all um there are questions about his death uh if he is dead uh or not and um the people who have been following Al-Qaeda closely, researchers, uh, said uh, that if, if Hamza is dead or, and has been dead, the thinking now is that he may have been dead for one to two years. In other, in other words, sometimes during the Trump administration, he died. And presumably, or it is thought that he died at um, the U.S.'s hands, or at least the U.S. had something to do with it. Again, all rather a mystery. But so the question is, one of the questions is, why didn't Al-Qaeda put out a eulogy before today? And it's not even clear that they necessarily put out a eulogy, but um, they are letting it be known that he died. Um, There's actually, um, it was actually uh, reported because U.S. intelligence officials first overheard, I mean, again, I mean, yes, do I believe he's dead? Yes, probably. But but there's so much that I can't tell you exactly. I'm like like President Trump. When he was asked about this, he refused to make a comment. Um, Of course, that's rather interesting because you would think that if he died and it was because of the U.S. or uh, helped by the U.S., that President Trump would be the first one to tweet about it and uh, be proud that this happened during his administration. So, again, it's lots of questions. Um, but supposedly U.S. intelligence officials overheard um, al-Qaeda members discussing whether to keep it a secret that Hamza died. Uh, and then, and that was actually happened, you know, at some time during these past two years. And then now it is thought of as being confirmed, or at least more thought of as being confirmed. Um, he, it's thought, one of the theories is that he was, uh, killed in an airstrike. Um, also that he may have been killed in a military operation that was actually targeting somebody else. The location of where he was killed or died has not been revealed. Um, So with that, now, okay, so let me ask you some questions. Um, Why 
Why are, this is my big question, and it really is um, a big concern because, uh, you know, this really goes to the heart of a lot of what I talk about on the, on the Terrorist Therapist Show, which is trying to wake people up uh, in their denial of terrorism, denial of the, the fact that there is still a terrorist threat. And not to wake people up to scare them, to send them running for their bed and under the covers, but rather to wake you all up so that you start preparing. And I'm not talking about buying duct tape um, or stocking up with supplies, although you may want to do that. But I'm talking about preparing yourself physically and psychologically for the fact that there may well be another attack. Uh, Anyhow, I will... I've talked about that from time to time in these, in these podcasts, in the, these shows, um, and that is uh, bears repeating that that is one of my main message to you all um, that really you shouldn't be just sitting there <laughs> sipping your lattes and thinking that nothing will ever happen again, even now that the son of Osama bin Laden is dead. We think. Um, so, why aren't we making more of a big deal of it? Um, this, if you've been, maybe you heard about it in the news, maybe you didn't. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who knew nothing about this, people who are smart and usually tuned in to what's going on. But on Google News, for example, it was down on the page. It wasn't like a big deal. And so why aren't we making a more of a big deal? Um, one thing you could say is because his life was a mystery. There are all kinds of uh, factoids coming out that really, you know, the family, one part of the family denies this and one part of the family denies that, like about his marriages, who he married and so on. Um, another reason why we might not be making more of a big deal of it is because um, we're afraid to believe that he actually did did die because there have been so many other reports of terrorists in high positions, including his, him, <laughs> who died. And then it turned out later that it wasn't true. For example, um, with Hamza, uh, he was mistakenly pronounced dead before. For example, it was said that when in 2011, when the Navy SEALs committed the raid to kill his father, they said that Hamza had been killed in that raid too, and it wasn't true. And then even two years ago, there was a failed attempt to kill him, and it was reported that he did, he was dead, and then it turned out that he wasn't dead. So um, that could be one reason why we don't want to get too excited and only to find out that indeed he isn't dead. Um, and then, of course... There is the fact that um, a quarter of the population in America weren't born at the time of 9-11. This was something that Vice President Pence said um, on, in a speech on the, one of the anniversaries of 9-11. And it's really kind of a shocking statistic. Um, and why it's shocking or concerning is because the more people who weren't alive during that time, not that they still are, haven't been affected by their parents being alive during that time, um, it's still, it's easier to forget about something if you haven't uh, been, if you weren't alive at the time of the trauma. So, um, 
so you know it's easier for people who weren't born and and it is apparently too easy um for people who were alive then to forget about it and not oh well who the son of osama bin laden hmm hmm <laughs> who was that again osama yeah that, that name sounds familiar and then another reason why we um don't uh aren't making such a fuss over it or aren't paying attention to it, why it's low down on the page on Google, for example, um, is because we think, like to think of terrorism as something happening over there. <laughs> over there, the Middle East, Africa, even Western Europe, but over there, it's not in the U.S., of course, if you're in Western Europe, um, you do have a little bit more of a sense of it happening in your midst, um, but still, we should be, um, there should be some kind of a, more of a major reaction than we are having. So um, I would think at least that uh, we would be singing, you know, even the munchkins when the house in the Wizard of Oz, when the house landed on the witch, wicked witch, even the munchkins sang, ding dong, the witch is dead. Which old witch? The witch, wicked witch. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. Well, you know, why aren't we out in the streets singing, ding dong, the wicked witch is dead with, in regard to Hamza bin Laden? And if you think that he isn't a wicked witch, that he's just, well, first of all, he's, he's a millennial. He's in his 30s. They don't, they don't even have an exact date of his birth. That's how much mystery um, he is shrouded in. But if you think that he is not a wicked witch, um, you are wrong. And I will tell you more about that, what he has done. He hasn't uh, perpetrated an attack as big as 9-11. We all know that. But he has been having quite an impact uh, because of his name. I mean, because of his sentiments also, he is determined to avenge the death of his father. But even before that, when he was at his father's knee, he was even then believing in the same things that his father believed in. His father taught him well. And then after his father was killed in our raid, um, that, then he was even more determined, Hamza was, to, um, to kill Americans, uh, destroy America, destroy the West, uh, also destroy Israel. Because of what he had learned and because now he had even more of a reason to put these teachings into action. So when we come back, we'll talk more about the Wicked Witch. I mean, Hamza. <laughs> uh, I know. I should, maybe I should. I'm sorry. If I, I, I'm sure I'm offending somebody by laughing about this man being dead. But really, really, when you hear about some of the things that he, that he did do in his relatively young life... Um, you won't think I'm so awful. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about Hamza bin Laden, who has been called the terrorist rock star. Uh, he is the son of Osama bin Laden, the head of Al-Qaeda, and the, well, the now deceased head of Al-Qaeda, and of course, the mastermind behind 9-11. Um, now, I was, I was, overcome by pangs of guilt when I was singing uh, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead in the first segment. But, you know, when you think about, I mean, yes, it's sad when anybody dies to some degree, but, I mean, he was a, uh, a husband and, um, you know, he had a family. But at the same time, when you think about the more than 3,000 people who died in 9-11, 
and uh, the people, more than 3,000 who are dying since 9-11 because of working at Ground Zero. Um, it is hard to have too much sympathy for him, although I guess one can understand how, you know, as a psychiatrist, of course, the psychiatrist in me um, likes to, or looks at him, to be fair, as um, the influences on him, his childhood influences, you know, when he was a boy at the foot of his father, Osama. And apparently he was with his father, um, actually, as his father was planning 9-11. So um, when he was a boy, even, uh, he was in propaganda films for Al-Qaeda, you know, led by his father, of course. He preached jihad even as a young boy. He trained with fighters and he was introduced as a voice of Al-Qaeda. He was called a young lion to carry forth the cause. And that's really the um, key here. Although he hasn't uh, perpetrated a 9-11, and I said I'm going to be telling you some of the things he has done, but he hasn't done anything as you know uh, dramatic as 9-11 and as deadly as 9-11. But the significance of him is that he was considered a terrorist rock star. He was was, um, the the terrorist hope, so to speak. He was looked upon as um, someone who was going to make Al-Qaeda continue to be relevant. You know, getting young blood into Al-Qaeda Al-Qaeda has been, while we've been paying attention to ISIS, uh, Al-Qaeda has actually not been uh, quiet. (laughs) You know, they haven't been uh, sitting around twiddling their toes. (laughs) They actually have been making uh, progress, setting up plans and making uh, inroads in other parts of the world and basically rebuilding Al-Qaeda. So... um, he was, the, but the leaders of Al Qaeda, the other leaders of Al Qaeda, of Al Qaeda, were older and didn't have as much uh, pizzazz or branding. <laughs> he had better branding, being the son of Osama bin Laden. And so, when he made audio and video recordings telling people to become lone wolves and and attack the West, he had more clout. Was more impressive, you know, if you're being told to do these things by the son of Osama bin Laden, rather than by somebody else, a leader in Al-Qaeda, whose name you can't even pronounce. So even though, uh, as I said, he hasn't yet, hadn't in his 30 some odd years, yet um, done something that was as dramatic, uh, and didn't have plans unveiled of something that was as dramatic still. And um, he, he served a very, very important function in being the voice, literally the voice in, in audio messages that were sent out by Al Qaeda and video messages. And um, he, um, let me tell you some of his, some of his, um, Oh, one of the things, one of the things that was particularly of concern, let me me find this. Um, 
Well, I'll tell you more about it later. But one thing that was just uh, pretty unbelievable was that he put out a, a message right before the attack uh, in Manchester. And although it has been said that they weren't able to find a direct link between his message and the terrorist who carried out the Manchester attack, and I, I've talked about that um, about his brother being uh, extradited to the UK in a, just a recent previous podcast. Um, and now here, I, it's at 10 days, 10 days before the Manchester bombing in 2017, he, Hamza, put out uh, through, you know, Al-Qaeda PR, put out an audio recording that called for supporters to strike against Jews and crusaders. Now, you know, the UK investigators haven't been able to find a definite link, but is it possible that the terrorist who perpetrated the Manchester concert attack, um, the Ariana, Ariana Grande attack, heard um, uh, Hamza make, put out this call? Very much so, because uh, he was listening to, you know, he was clued in to all of these uh, terrorist kinds of propaganda, terrorist things on the internet that, that they were advising people to do. So, of course, it's possible. You know, would he have done it anyway? Uh, perhaps. But um, if he did hear it, it certainly could have been something that uh, helped to propel him to, to actually uh, finally do it, you know, to take that final step. So um, there have been there have been several uh, recordings, um, for example, uh, and most of these have been found to be recorded or to have been done um, by twenty in twenty fifteen. Uh, for example, uh, he released an audio message in twenty fifteen that called upon followers in Kabul, Baghdad, and Gaza to wage jihad in Washington, London, Paris, and Tel Aviv. Now, it's interesting because you'll hear in these various audio messages, and I'll tell you about some of them. I, I, I don't think we have all of them. Uh, I think there were more even than what I'm going to be telling you. But what I'm telling you is sufficient to make the point that, um, you know, he, he was a bad, a bad, a bad boy, a bad uh, man who um, was intent not only on these on committing jihad um, because of what he learned at the foot of his father but also to avenge his father's death so then for example in may 2016 he focused on palestine and the syrian civil war in his message um, he said that the quote blessed syrian revolution unquote made the prospect of quote liberating unquote jerusalem more likely Quote, the Islamic Ummah, the Islamic nation, should focus on jihad in al-Sham, in Syria, and unite the ranks um, of Mujahideen there. There is no longer an excuse for those who insist on division and disputes now that the whole world has mobilized against Muslims, unquote. So, you know, the more things that happened, um, the more... 
the West, America, and so on, uh, got involved in the war on terror, the more, of course, he and other terrorists have used that as the reason why the West should die. Then there was an audio message in 2016, in July 2016, the the one I just read was May 2016, uh, threatening the United States in revenge for his father's death. I mean, all of it was really uh, revenge. But um, in this one, he made a 21-minute speech, and he called it, We Are All Osama. Quote, We will continue striking you and targeting you in your country and abroad in response to your oppression of the people of Palestine, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, Somalia, and the rest of the Muslim lands that did not survive your oppression. As for the revenge by the Islamic nation for Sheikh Osama, may Allah have mercy on him. It is not revenge for Osama, the person, but it is revenge for those who defended Islam. Um, there, then in May 2017, there was another recording and it encouraged terrorist attacks against Western targets, which was, is the point of all of his recordings. Um, and then he made a video in May 2017 calling for followers to attack Jews, Americans, Westerners, and Russians through lone wolf attacks. And then um, what's interesting is that even though now they're saying that he probably died in the, was killed in the first two years of Trump's um, presidency, they are in, in February 2019. So in other words, technically beyond the first two years, um, the United States Department of State offered a reward up to a million dollars for information leading to the identification or location in any country of Hamza bin Laden. So they put um, a wanted ad out for him, you know, wanted Im- any information that would help the U.S. to kill him. Uh, although I guess perhaps <laughs> perhaps we would have liked, it, it might have been more useful to, uh, to capture him, but I guess that would have been a lot more difficult. So even though he may w- well have been dead, reports are saying that they think he was already dead, when the State Department offered this reward, still, um, that is the degree of danger that um, the U.S. thought that Hamza represented at that time. So we will get more into the story of Hamza and, uh, and what this means for al-Qaeda and uh, the threat of terrorism for us. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about the death, we think, of Hamza bin Laden, the son of Osama bin Laden, uh, called the terrorist rock star, thought to be the, an essential part of the uh, resurgence of Al-Qaeda. In particular, you know, Al-Qaeda has been sort of, uh, uh, I, I don't know if dancing is probably maybe well, I don't know. I was going to say maybe dancing is too much, too strong of a word, but uh, maybe not really. Um, at, at the fall of the caliphate, certainly um, Al Qaeda was was rejoicing, shall we say, uh, at their downfall because it was planning on making a comeback and um, and becoming the most powerful terrorist organization, like it was at the time of nine eleven. So, um, 
Hamza was really considered to be a very important part of this comeback because he had the name bin Laden, because he was young, uh, younger than the other leaders, and because they thought he would have a lot more impact reaching out in his propaganda messages, some of which I have been reading to you. I mean, the bottom line, he's been, he was doing uh, audio and video messages since at least 2015, and actually, um, it's, it is likely, and there are some reports that some messages even came before that, but all the messages had, even though different ones mentioned different countries, um, targeted different countries with the message of kill, you know, attack, um, trying to get lone wolves to attack, they were all either the uh, U.S. or American allies, although he did mention Russia there, too. <laughs> he, he was an equal opportunity uh, terrorist to, to some degree. Um, in any case, let me bring you to a little bit uh, into his connection, his relationship with his father, uh, which, you know, will probably give you some more sympathy for him than he probably deserves. But anyhow, in uh, 2008, for example, he wrote a poem, Hamza wrote a poem, a poem, and um, uh, he wrote, uh, and it was published on, on an extremist Islamic website, and he wrote, and this is the translation, of course, accelerate the destruction of America, Britain, France, and Denmark. And that was when, it was after this poem that a British MP dubbed him uh, dubbed Hamza, the crown prince of terror. So, you know, that's, he was called the lion, he was called the crown prince, and he was the, the young stud who was going to make Al-Qaeda uh, not only relevant again, but to become the leader over ISIS, to become more powerful and dangerous and deadly than ISIS. So let me tell you now some of the things that, um, in terms of his relationship with his father. Uh, in April 2011, so bef right before the uh, raid that killed Osama bin Laden, there was an Al-Qaeda operative who is called, or given the name, we don't know if it's his real name, named Mahmoud. And he wrote to Osama that he was trying to smuggle Hamza, uh, who was one of Osama's many children, trying to smuggle Hamza to see him, to meet with Osama. And he wrote, Mahmoud wrote, I have tried to find a way to send him to you on the main road, but I was not able to find one due to the intensified security procedures and searches. Um, after 9-11, Osama sent his wives and his children to Iran. And... Um, and after 9-11 and after the U.S. military operations against al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, uh, Osama sent them to Iran because he thought they would be safer there. So this included Hamza. And Hamza wrote to his father in July 2009 uh, he was, he, that he was very sad that he was, quote, separated from you when I was a small child, not yet 13. You might not recognize me when you meet me as my features have changed. But what truly makes me sad is the Mujahideen 
legions have marched and I have not joined them. So now this is, we're talking about, um, you know, July, in, already in 2009, uh, he was already admitting or saying that he was sorry that he wasn't able to be an active fighter. Um, during, you know, and, and, and other reports have said there, there are documents that they found when they raided, uh, when they killed Osama and they raided his compound, they found lots of documents and things that expressed love of Osama towards Hamza. He was his favorite son. And, um, and he, Osama, actually planned and hoped that um, Hamza would be the leader in his place. You know, I mean, he didn't know that he was going to be killed soon, but um, although he was in hiding and really knew that people were looking for him for years, but um, he wanted him to take over as the leader of Al-Qaeda when the time came. And Hamza wanted to. So this, this, this all didn't just happen in these last few years, this was a plan from the time almost that Hamza was born, um, that he was to become Al-Qaeda's leader. So then um, there was a, a letter from, another letter from Mahmoud, um, who described Hamza, a letter to uh, Osama, describing Hamza as, quote, very sweet and good. Um, but he said, that he thought Hamza was getting depressed. This was in 2010. It was before the other letter. And Mahmoud wrote, he comes back to me asking me that he should be trained and participated in giving. He does not want to be treated with favoritism because he is the son of someone. I promised him to plan some safe training for him, firing arms and with various weapons. And uh, so it's, it, in the end, it was the, the, it's not clear whether Hamza ever saw his father again before uh, the U.S. raid on Osama's compound that killed Osama. So, you know, yes, this is the human element, um, a father who wants his son to, you know, <laughs> Al-Qaeda and son or um, Osama and son or, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of just, you know, like, um, like plumbers and electricians, uh, Smith and son, right? Oh, I, I know, I, I, um, black humor is, um, <laughs> is therapeutic. Um, in any case, we are, we are fairly certain that he is dead. And now the question is whether, what impact this is going to have. So there's all kinds of controversy about that. Some people think it's going to have no impact because he didn't really do anything. And I mean, other than he didn't do anything, he made all these, uh, he made all these audio and video messages that, um, influence, we don't know how many people really. Still, people who listen to uh, Hamza bin Laden's audio and video messages are still out there in the world and still influenced by him. And not only that, but now that he is dead, he's a martyr. He's a martyr. So this is going to be influencing lone wolves even more now than if he hadn't been killed. Um, so some people are saying uh, that that his death, you know, means nothing. Some people are saying that it ends the jihadist hopes of a dynasty, uh, a bin Laden dynasty. Um, other people are saying that, um, oh, 
there's there's questions about whether there might have been he might have been or there is there is suggestion some people are suggesting that there that hamza may well have been open to a merger with isis now these um rumors actually or you know these reports that came from i don't know which sources i mean nobody knows which sources exactly or they're not telling um but that's a very interesting um possibility that and, and it is perhaps more likely than um since it's a new generation and all of that it is more likely certainly than osama going along with um you know, joining with ISIS or any other kind of terror organization. Um, he, um, I, 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 I'm just making sure I told you all the things that I wanted to tell you. I'm looking through my notes here. Um, so again, I, I, yeah, I've told you that I've told you the main parts of this. And so, um, as sad as it is in a way that anybody dies who has family who are going to miss them, um, still, in terms of the threat of Al-Qaeda for us, uh, probably this, other than the fact that this may well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, the, the jury is still out, really, because, yes, they did lose a significant spokesperson, somebody with a brand, somebody with clout, somebody, you know, with a lot of influence, um, he, uh, because of his, because of his name, Bin Laden, and because of this story of his father wanting him to be the one to carry on his legacy, you know, that comes, that's a lot of power. And now, of course, because he is a martyr, because we theoretically or possibly killed him. So that will make, um, him even more of an influential figure, except for the fact that now he is not going to be able to make more audio and video messages although just like they did with osama um you know things can may well come out from uh, al-qaeda saying that this is what um hamza wrote or this is what he said or you know it is a little difficult to to fake his voice although you know that has been done before with terrorists um it may well happen again that we do hear some continuing messages that were purportedly from Hamza. In any case, um, we will see what uh, the impact is. But certainly, I'll tell you one thing, <laughs> there should have been more of an impact on us, even if we are just talking to each other and asking these questions that I brought up we should be talking about it. We should be thinking about it, not to the point of uh, not enjoying our lives. Indeed, we very much need to um, make every moment count, but we can't pretend that these kinds of things aren't important. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. 
terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.